Welcome to episode 44 of In The Saddle podcast. Today we have uh, an illustrious panel. Um, we've got Chris Loder, our local local lad. We've got Paul Callahan, ex-jockey, banging the winners, followed on 7-1 last week. And we've got a Spanish export in today's well in, Peter Finch. How's it going? Start with Chris. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, n- not great weather. Lots of rain here down in the south of England. But uh, now tipping's going not too badly, but uh, we could do with a good weekend. Yeah, we could all do with that. I know you were quite close with the bestie man um, at Cheltenham at the weekend. 54, Paul Combet, fair, just beaten. Um, close, but let's see if we can get, get a few winners this weekend. What about yourself, Paul? How are you? Yeah, it was very good. Uh, keeping busy. It's raining here in Ireland, so um, at least it's consistent. But yeah, looking forward to it. I've been in good form the last couple of weeks, and I'm just afraid because as often there's only one way to go from here. Yeah, you've been banging in a few naps. Obviously, Throw Down Seven One was popular, and a lot of positive feedback by that. Um, and obviously, we'll come to save the best to last. Peter Finch in sunny Spain. How's it going, Pete? Well, it's best some last in terms of the weather, but not in terms of the tipping, mate. But yeah, the winners are starting to come in and, and photos are starting to go my way, which is always an indication that the luck might be changing. We're going to start, we're going to look at the, the jumps meetings this weekend. We're going to start with Weatherby. Yeah, some top class action there. We're going to start with the 210 365 mirror hurdle over two miles. For that and blue, warm order around 8 to 15. We'll start with Chris Loader. Are, are we with her or are we against her? On form, she's a class above all of these mares, but the the other prices, she's not one I would really want to lumber into. I I do feel like this weekend it, there could be a few boil overs, and with her being such a short price, I'd like to take her on, and I'm going to take a real flyer on one here each way. If you men get free places on Betfair, or maybe a few other firms might be ex- offering the extra place, if you could get free places. Thought Rosie and Millie was quite interesting for Michael Scudamore, who's actually been amongst the winners uh, the last uh, few weeks. And this filly did show a fair level of form uh, last season. She won quite easily, uh, and then she uh, met Disarray Girl, who was actually going to be running in this race. And those two that day were well clear um, of a horse called Flowaway from Alex Hales. Uh, they were ten lengths clear in a listed her, listed uh, mare's novice hurdle at Haydock. So. Even though, obviously, that form probably isn't good enough to win this, I would expect a good run from her, and she can go well fresh. She can handle um, cutting the ground as well. There could be quite a bit of rain up there this weekend, so I just thought maybe take a flyer on one here. Not a particularly confident shout, but I thought Rosie and Millie was quite an interesting uh, wild selection if you wanted to take on Vidana Blue. Yeah, she's currently 33-1, to one, best price available. It's just unfortunate there's only seven runners because if obviously if there was eight runners this could be a fast track to getting your account closed with this sort of betting market um obviously Verdana blue i thought she was a tad disappointing last time behind silver streak not so sure how that that format i just thought she had every chance she was beating a long way out um what, what are your views on this one paul i can't see past Verdana blue to be honest i think bar a sniper takes it out i think she she wins like she's 20 pounds higher than, than the next rated in the field like, you know, Desiree Girl finished last in the in the behind honeysuckle at the festival. She was a winner. She followed that what Chris was saying, followed that head up win with a, a victory at Sedgefield on next scene. But 
Verdana Blue was disappointing. Was beaten a long way out at Kempton the last time, but still, even on that run, she was keen enough on that. You know, at Kempton when last seen, I just think she's she's a class above. Like on ratings, she's rated one hundred and fifty-five. The next highest rating in the field is one hundred and thirty-three. So, and that's Desiree Girl. So on paper, I think even you know when you've taken in the last run, I think she she obviously she takes the beating here. Um, as you mentioned, it's disappointing that there's only seven runners in the field. And I think what's more disappointing is the an indication of Northern Racing. I know nothing to do with, with betting and what we're talking about, but out of the seven runners, we only have two representatives from the north here, which is which is very worrying. And I think this this has been kind of the state of affairs since you know, just off the top of my head, the mid noughties certainly, and that's certainly in the current climate, I think that's very worrying. Yeah, we actually did talk about this during during the week off air. Um, but yeah. sort of the north and talking about Howard Johnson, some of the old stories. Um, but it was Mark Mark Bradburn that you you brought up in conversations, just seeing how sort of racing's going to decline, especially in the north. I just yeah, I just remember sitting in the way room with, with Mark, in the, the sauna with Mark one day, just chatting, and um, you know we, we were just having this conversation, and, and definitely for maybe we mightn't see it in our lifetime, but I would definitely fear for for jump racing, and this is good. this isn't a problem. I know. I think there was an article maybe written last year or the year before, but this isn't a problem that has just happened. Um, this has been going on for quite some time. Where, where the you know you look in the north of England and it's mainly southern runners that, that are making up the, the size of the fields. And you look towards the betting, and you know the top five in the betting are all are all coming up from the south. Um, cherry picking all the top races, aren't they? Yeah, but even in general, mm. even in the south, like if you have ten runners, when I moved to England first in two thousand and one. The fields were generally 15, 16 to 20 runners. Now, and this has been going back the last few seasons, if you get 10 runners in it, like how many times do you see a novice chase with three runners and two runners and, you know, three, four runners? It has a knock-on effect on everybody. If you have 10 runners in a, in a jump race in England now, it's pretty much a big field. And it has a knock-on effect on jockeys as well, say for the likes of myself and, and countless other guys in the way room. If you're a paying owner... You're not going to have AP McCoy sitting in the way room watching it on telly and have, for talk's sake, Paul Callaghan riding the horse. It, it just won't happen. Um, and at the time, you might think, you know, given the position I was in, I thought it harsh. But when you're outside the bubble looking in, that's the reality of it. If you're paying training fees and, and we'll say, Jockey X is riding out and doing all the hard graft at home, it's very hard to justify paying the training fees, um, you know, if you have a chance of... of Richard Johnson riding your horse that, that you're going to turn it down so it, it, it does affect everybody yeah well maybe unless you're running McNally and you're trying to get a price on a real deal or they put a £7 claimer on get 20 to 1 posed up Paul Callahan likes Verdana Blue the point remains that Verdana Blue is well clear at the ratings it is worth pointing out though that the horse has been pulled out before Aintree and Cheltenham due to the ground so it will be interesting to see how much rain they get at Weatherby. The run back behind Silver Street wasn't that great, but it's probably a gear up towards this anyway. And it is a quite weak race in comparison to previous years. Will 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 it run is the big thing because you're taking a risk now that if you went with something else, they would all shorten. So if there's a lot of rain on the day, it might well be that um, he hasn't pulled for Derna Blue out, which he has done before. That then leaves it wide open because you've got White Hot Chili fill in, you've got Desiree Gale, which has obviously um, been slightly back to big prices now with Mickey Hammond before with uh, Philip Kirby. 
the one I like each way, again, we've got this problem of seven runners, but born in Boris for uh, Colin Tizard. I, I look back at one of the performances of Richard won. Now, on ratings, this one is well inferior to, to, to many in the field. But what you do get, and unfortunately, Tizard's not really striking at the moment with his runners. It's all leading the run. I think that horse is better than the rating that it's got. And I think throughout the season, you'll see that. You had another horse that he had called Copperhead, which basically started at a low rating and then worked its way up. It seems strange that a horse rated at 128 and probably only sort of done a 110 is in a race like this. So I thought that was um, half interesting because I do think six-year-old's got more to offer. So that would be my bet against the field. I think that might run a bit better than uh, people think. Madonna Blue, without doubt, is the class horse. Um, and, it, and, it, and it should win even though the ground is really bad. But uh, it'd be interesting to see what the trainer does on the day. So it's an interesting point, Pete, on Born and Boris. You've got to say, when you're talking about this horse could be potentially a handicap. Why are they running it in this sort of race? Because that could potentially snooker the handicap mark if it runs, say, closer to Madonna Blue or wins. Um, yeah, so I mean, it shouldn't get near Madonna Blue, but even if it gets in with you know, six to eight lengths of Banana Blue, you, you've got a horse that's weighted 150 and you, you you could be weighted 135, 140 if you get within eight to ten lengths of it. So, yeah, I just thought it was, you know, why would why would he put that horse in there? Okay. So, just recapping the first race, we're looking at the Betfelix 5 Mirrors Hurdle listed race at Weatherby. Paul Callahan likes for Dana Blue, it's 13. Peter Finch thinks for Dana Blue is want to be on. Born and, Born and Boris for three places, 25 to 1 each way alternative if you can get the three places. And Chris Loader likes Rose and Millie each way, 3 to 1. 33 to 1. Let's get that one right. Anyway, moving on to the 245, the Bet365 West Yorkshire Hurdle, grade 2. We'll start with Peter Finch. What do you like here? I like Holston. I've never been convinced that it actually stays the three miles convincingly. But what I have noticed with Nigel Tristan Davis Holston, to my disgust, really, because I've, I've, he had a horse called Temple Hills that won first time out. He had um, a winner at Ludlow that won first time out recently that, that had won there before. He's doing exceptionally well with horses that are having their first runs of the season. And even though sort of Lisbeth Go Oscar does set the, the form, obviously winning the standards at Cheltenham, I just feel there's some question marks this early on. And if you are gearing towards Cheltenham, you may not have the horse primed at the end of October, beginning of November. I'm very much one that follows follow horses for the times of the year. And obviously the chasing didn't quite work with Holstone, even though um, it, it, it has won. And I, I felt an each way price again a 10s, 12s, I thought, oh, Holstone um, might uh, outrun its odds. Because next destination, we just don't know where we are with that, obviously, formerly with Willie Mullins and, and done very well. That's been off for some time. Uh, Roxana, they've got a nice weight, but uh, finds a winning quite difficult. And Copperhead, which I mentioned, has improved a lot, but that surely is more of a chaser than a, um, uh, more of a chaser than a hurdler. So, that's where I sort of think that Holstone at a price could 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 run well. Best place available twelve to one, and we'll see you get the the free places with nine runners declared at the moment. Um, Paul Callahan, what do we like here? I think one at a price that will run well, but I think will ultimately come up short is Chapman's Height. 
Jamie Snowden's runner, Sam Twist and Davison Paul, certainly catch the eye if I wouldn't put anyone off having a, a couple of quid each way on that one. Um, listening to Roscoe, winner of the stairs back in March, won a grade two at Haydock last year and then was, or two seasons back, I think, was fifth in the Albert Bartlett. But hasn't really, without winning, hasn't really kicked on from there. Um, so I don't know, was the stairs a flash in the pan? I don't know. Um, Roxana would have a chance, but I would come down on the side of Next Generation. As mentioned, as Peter mentioned there, formerly trained by Willie Mullins, now with Paul Nichols, having his first starts and scoring in a Grade 1 novice hurdle at the Punchestown Festival back in 2018. was also toured in the festival that year behind Sam Crow. He's obviously had his problems, and I just think Next Generation would be the one, if you're going to catch him, our next destination, if you're going to catch him, it'll be first time out. You often hear the bounce back of horses run, and, and you know, horses often win first time out on the back of a long break. I'd imagine if he turns up fit and healthy at, at Weatherby, he'll he could be he'll be there, thereabouts. I thought, as mentioned, Copperhead, as Peter mentioned, the Tizard horses are just taking a run this season, and, and that's probably a stepping stone to, to something a longer term project as the season goes on. So it is um, next destination for me. It's quite interesting, actually, is it? Sorry to interrupt. It's quite interesting that Paul Nichols actually, that's not the only one he's got from Willie Mullins. We've got Stormy Island, and I don't know if there's any more there, but I, I, it is quite interesting that Paul Nichols has picked up a few from Willie Mullins when you would think that possibly they're either past their sell-by date or that Willie Mullins has got the best out of them that he could have got. And a 920-day layoff, bit of an ask. But if you look at Next Destination's form in Ireland, and beating Delta Work, Punchestown, form behind Sam Crow. I mean, that's top form, but... What's your thoughts on that, Paul? I think uh, the flip side of that, Willie Mullins has, has, if you're Malcolm Denmark, I'd imagine these top races over in Ireland, Willie Mullins could have three, four, five or six lining up for the same for the same races. So maybe the owners thought that maybe there's, there's better opportunities elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, but as I mentioned, I, I do think if next destination, if you're going to catch him, I think first time out is, is the time to, to do it. Um, you know, as mentioned, you often hear when horses win, first time out on the back of a long break, he's going to be fresh, you'd imagine. He's going to be keen enough early on with, with three miles to cover. They're not going to go overly quick in the early stages. That would be my only concerns. But, you know, if he, if he won at Weatherby on Saturday, I'd be afraid of him. If you're investing on his next run, you'd be afraid of that bounce factor coming in. And I don't know what, I've, I've been involved in yards that you've tried to give the horse a break after the first run to try and counteract that bounce factor, and it hasn't worked. Um, I think Noel made the horse win twice on the back of a, of a long break, which is an incredible training performance. But um, I just I just think next destination to Saturday could be the time to, to catch him, if at all. Best price available, 4-1 to one next destination. And, and the other one, Jimmy Snowden's Chapman's Hype. Best price, 60-1 to one available. Um, moving on to Lucky Loaders, what do you like here? Uh, I think that there's some nap material lurking in here. Um, the one apparently for the old nap is it not Chris? Yeah, I can't believe Paul and Pete kind of passed over this one. They they, they said she's got a chance, but I just think Roxana in here absolutely screams bet of the weekend. I, I really do. Um, now you're gonna have to to um really reevaluate this season where we are with the Skelton Yard because Dan Skelton in the last um, couple of seasons has been notorious for cleaning up the summer jumps races. But this season, he's, he's publicly said that he's not 
been interested in the amount of winners but the quality of the winners and he's only really wanting quality horses because uh, he wants to win more uh, graded races and dine at the top table and really take on the likes of Nichols and Henderson so looking at this Roxana I think the key to her and why I think she she's net material is the fact she's going to be stepping up in trip um to three miles now she's only ever tried it twice in her career and the two times she she did it were both in um grade ones at Aintree right at the end of the season she finished second behind Santini uh, back in 2018. And we know Santini's a class horse, second in the Gold Cup last year and could be very much a Cheltenham Gold Cup contender this season. And then the other time she ran, she was just touched off in a photo finish uh, with If the Cat Fits and Apples Jade in another grade one in the Ryanair Stairs Hurdle. She, I just think she's not been campaigned right by Dan Skelton and they're finally given her the right that they're going to try and really give her the right campaign this year. I think even though she has won the mayor's hurdle at Cheltenham in the past, she she's more of a stayer. And um, I think she'll be ready and spot on for this. And Dan Skelton Jard have been in, uh, in some decent, <coughs> for, decent form of late. They, um, they weren't really um, firing in the winners throughout the summer, but if you look at how the yards picked up in the last couple of weeks, they've been banging in plenty of winners. They're operating at a 23% strike rate. They've had 13 in the last fortnight up until the time we're recording this and uh, she's got some good form fresh um she finished second last year behind top notch just getting stayed off on her seasonal reappearance at Aintree um also as well she's won fresh before as uh, in the past so I just think there's a lot to like about her chances and the fact she's getting the mayor's allowance as well and getting bags of weight up off so much of her opposition is another major positive she's gonna be get she, there's nine pounds between her and Liz Nagar Oscar and she's nearly getting a stone from Liz Nagar Oscar so th that that's a massive advantage in herself and the fact that she's the only mare in the lineup suggests to me that I think the skeletons really fancy their chance they do well at Weatherby as well it's one of their best performing tracks and yeah for me Roxana there's a lot to like about her and I think running at three miles is the right move this season Best race available quarter one. Stable has been banging in the winners. Um, can see your your angle there. My, my only concern would be the trip. Um, I do think Rebecca Percy's horse is the one to beat. She was on, I think it was at the races during the week. She was quite bullish about visiting our Oscars chances. Um, I think a lot of people think it's sort of like a fluke that when last at Jelen, she's sort of putting the doubters to bed. That's which that's the way she was coming across. I quite like Linegar Oscars, five to two best race available. Paul Callahan likes Next Generation 4 to 1, Chapman Shy 14 to 1, Peter Finch likes Goldstone 12 to 1, and Chris Loder with an early nap on the scanner 4 to 1. Moving on to the 320, whether it be the big one, the Bet V65, Charlie Hall Chase. We'll start with Paul Callahan here. What are we on? This is one of my favourite races of the season. It's kind of a, a marker, isn't it? This and the, the Bet Fair Chase coming up later on in, in November. Um, this is a real sign that the national on season is, is back in action. Um, I like Vindication here. Big fan. Kim Bailey's horses are in terrific form. And Vindication was last seen finishing fourth behind the conditional at the festival in March. Started off over fences, interestingly, off a mark of 149. Now rated, up, now rated at 161. So I do. I think Vindication... Got a cracking attitude as well. Sure to be there, thereabouts. So I think vindication for me in this one. I'd have my doubts about the surname Bellwin last seen, but I, you know, would it be question marks that you know his Gold Cup was 
against Alcior at Ascot last year and, and that race has just left a, a mark on him. I don't think Sam's inner lacks a little bit of little bit of experience over is three from three or fences, but would lack a little bit of experience and has a tendency to jump out to his right. Um definitely red would be I'd definitely red is the, the, the biggest danger here to vindication. Indications currently five to one best price available, definitely red eleven to one. Um, I do. I personally think surname's quite short here. Seven and four is probably one I'd be wanting to take on. What's your views on this one, Peter? From my point of view, there's a couple of horses that I don't think go so well left-handed. Surname obviously is the question mark. I mean, that Altio race also last year did take it out of him um, because even when he fell, he was well beat, and the horse that won that particular race was no great shake. So you, there are questions to answer, certainly going left-handed. I think also questions to answer left-handed for Vindication, who's been sort of exclusively going right-handed uh, courses. I think, and this is my lap, um, I think Bally Optic last year's winner, I think, as I mentioned earlier, I think Tristan Davis is good at getting them to win first time out. It won in the soft last year. The good pace will also um, help enormously. And I think Bally Optic, if you're going to catch him, you catch him now. Definitely red sort of in and out for me. Um, getting on as well as it is 11. And I think the trainer has obviously targeted uh, the reappearance to try and win it as he did last year. Sam Spinner, I agree, it's probably not it's sort of below this level, in my, in, in my opinion, even though it, it, it loves the call. So for me, I think the winner is going to be Valley Optic. And don't forget that Definitely Red was beaten yeah. 20, 26 lengths in this race last year. So it might be a prep for something else a bit further down. Uh, Mr. Whitaker is, is probably not good enough either. So for me, at the prices, six to one, Bally Optic was the bet. An early nap for Peter Finch. Um, one thing I like about Bally Optic's stable is he in a bit of form, catch him sort of fresh, as you say, this is the time to catch him, and stays as well, won't, won't worry about the ground. And I think surnames, I think this play of the weekend, the more I look at it, um, I think Cerny could be out the three here. Odds on, I think it'd be one to sort of take a chance on a three zone, four zone place market. Um, we'll round it up the Charlie Old Chase with Chris Loader's fault. And I, I want to get his opinion on Cerny because I'm literally loading up Betfair right now because I've got my finger on the button, that pink button. Chris Loader, what's your thoughts? I think you have to take Surname on. Um, he's got question marks. Oh, that's what up. I wanted to hear. And the mistakes. He, he's got He's got question marks to answer after his last two performances. He was well beat um, in the Ascot chase at Ascot. I think the majority of horses that day, that really did take it out of them. The conditions were biblical. It was, it was a real grind for horses that day. And a lot of the horses that came out of that meeting disappointed on their next starts. Uh, so he's definitely got a um answer that performance even though he did fall um when he was very tired anyway his king george run well was it really a hard race after out i'm i'm not so sure i just don't think the horse stays three miles in my opinion i think people got a bit carried away and that's another thing he's gonna have to do as well apart from going this way around can he stay three miles and and the answer is for me no i think he's a two and a half mile specialist and i and i'm 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 bemused and why 
the Nichols team. I know they've got Politolog. Why aren't they getting this horse primed for his life to go to Sandown for the Tingle Creek first time out, bang him in from front, get some solid jumps in and be going down that route with him? I, I think that that's the route they should be targeting. Try and beat Altior again, you know. Why not? They did it before. They can probably do it again if they, if they had him primed for his life going this way round. They're all pals. They're all pals, Chris. They ring each other up and go, look, you, you avoid this race and I'll avoid this race. Last year, surname took on Altior because of the public pressure. I don't think they were keen on actually doing it. I think the morning of the race, he was quite keen on taking Altior out. We all wanted that duel. And I think what they do is they just pick and choose. And they can pick and choose what races they go to because it's all geared towards Shelton. True, but I, I just think that that they had the me- they definitely had the measure of... And I, would Nicky Henderson pull out... Uh, Altior out of the Tingle Creek if surname was to show up here absolutely not this is that's going to be his number one target before the champion chase um, so I don't think I think I think Nichols has uh, lost it a little bit here with this one and I think he's a bit I think they're going down the wrong I, I might have egg on my face here but I generally think they're going down the wrong path trying to get three miles with him I just don't think he'll stay um and I just think that they they shouldn't even be running him here, and I think he's very vulnerable. He 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 might have the class. The class might get him to finish in the first three. He wouldn't be probably a lay place bet for me, but I could definitely, uh, I would definitely be against him for win purposes. And I agree with um, Paul about vindication vindication for win purposes. So I really think uh, if he'd run in the Gold Cup last year, I'm not saying he would have won, but he probably would have been in the first five or six. You know, to carry top weight in the Ultima and finish in fourth place given lumps of weight away, I still think was a very credible effort. And he goes best fresh as well. We've always seen time and time again that he normally puts his um, his first run of the season is normally his, his best performance. And he won the Sodexo Gold Cup at uh, Ascot last year on his seasonal reappearance, you know, beating No Mugs, you know, uh, Regal Encore, who went on to boost that form, Black Court, and he's a consistent type in those kind of races, you know. So he's definitely got the class to win this uh, kind of race. And Kim Bailey's horses have been running really well. But the one I'm going to just also recommend as well for an each way play here. And uh, a horse I think's really gone under the radar is a horse trained by Harriet Graham, who I believe is class of the, Clark of the course of Musselburgh and also as well Kelso. Her horse, I write, is a really interesting candidate here. I actually put him up last time when he ran at Kelso and he just um, got out. Um, he, he just was lacking for a turn of pace that day behind Nutswell. We all saw what Nutswell went and did last week by winning the old Rowan chase. He's really unexposed, this I write, over longer trips. If you go back uh, through some of his form, he, okay, it was only a two runner race, but he beat McCarkey's Hill of um, Juan Gretarex in the McNeil colours by 15 lengths at Newcastle over three miles. So he's definitely got a lot of untapped potential for stamina trips. And it's interesting that they're deciding not to pitch him in a handicap company. I would have thought off a mark of 146, he would have easily been up to winning a handicap or being very competitive. So it's interesting that they're deciding to go down this route. And I just think at a double figure, a very big price, I wouldn't, it wouldn't at all surprise me if he could take a step forward. And because he's trained by Harriet Graham, that's why he's going to be a big price. And I just think the form reads well from that race at Kelso last time out. And over longer trips, he's got a lot more to a lot more to come. It's an interesting outsider with I write from Chris Loader. Best price available 40 to 1 on the scores book. I mean, you'd actually want to see more money for surname so we can lay him at a shorter price in the win market in the place. I mean, I write could be a five place. Bet potentially on the place market with Betfair. Um, 
I'm actually looking at the four place market for surname now. Completely blow up, Chris. Get them out. Get them out. Four, tens on, twelves on. Yeah, not 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 for me. I think, like I, I said, he, I think maybe class could get him to finish in the first three. But yeah, for for win purposes, I would definitely uh, be wanting to take him on. Okay, wrapping up the Charlie Hall chase then. Paul Callahan and Chris Loder are both like vindication on the win purposes. Best price build around four to one, five to one. And Chris like I right and each way alternatively around forties. And Peter Finch, the old nap, Bally Optics seven to one. Hopefully he can do the business, um, and obviously we're all in agreement that surname is too short, and we want to be taking. Um, we're going to jump over to Ascot now. We're going to look at the 155, the total handicap chase listed event. We'll start with Chris Loder on this one. What do we like here? Yeah, I thought this was quite a tricky handicap actually. Um, nothing really jumping off the page here at me, but the one that I decided to come down on was Venetia Williams's Iblo. Uh, but Charlie Deutsch doing a nice low weight. Um, bit of a strange horse. Than the, uh, a couple of years ago, we saw him a few times um, over hurdles, but then he was never seen again until last season. And when he came back, he um, he did the job quite impressively on a couple of occasions, winning at uh, Wincanton and then Huntington. Uh, got raised to a mark of 132. And I just think maybe after having a couple of hard starts, it just caught up at him. Caught up with him at Huntington on his last start when he finished in second place in, in a fair race there. Um, and I just think Venetia's team now, they're starting to um, come into a little bit of form. They had a, a couple of winners earlier this week, uh, one at uh, Banger earlier in the week, I, I seem to remember. So I think they're just coming into a bit of form now and the rain that's forecast for Ascot should play to his strengths. And this horse could just remind me of horses in these colours in the past, like Sapage and Aso that do well in the handicaps. And who knows where the sky is with the limit of them. But, um, yeah, I just think Iblo, in what looks uh, not a great race, really, for punting purposes, I thought he, he was the most interesting candidate and would be the one that appealed to me. Currently best praise available around 4-1. to one. Venetia Williams, soft grounds. It's a match made in heaven, not for the layers. Um, is Paul Callahan like you? I think it's hard to get away from Capeland's. Um, rating 150 was a, a course and distance winner at Ascot back in November of last year off a mark of handicap mark of 143 was last seen I think what to be he was last seen running in the, in the grand annual at the, the festival he only beat one home on that occasion but I think running off a mark of 150 carrying 11-12 I think it's interesting that Paul Nichols has opted not to claim off so I think that despite carrying seven pound higher than his, his course and distance win last November, I think that seven pound rise is, is well within his grasp. I think it is a tricky enough handicap as as Chris mentioned, but I'm going to say come down on the side of Caplin, Paul Nichols, and Brioli Frost. Currently, best place available three to one. Obviously, and he had that that great win with Frodo on last weekend. I see that you're staying on side with her to bang in another winner for Paul. Um, yeah. Has every chance Kate wins. What about Peter Finch? What are we on here? Yeah, I agree entirely. I mean, this is probably been my second best bet of the weekend. I don't think it's a very strong handicap, as as, as we pointed out. Kate Bland, if you remember last year when he, uh, I think it was Diego de Charmille that were coming over the last together and he got disqualified because it went in between the, as they come over the last fence, it went, it went in between the sort of the, the partition and the fence. Um, I think this is the time to catch Kate Bland and, and quite buy it in terms of. Jockey shit that could have um, put a 
Lorcan Williams on there or someone like that just to bring the weight down. I don't. I mean, Iblio is obviously one to watch going forward because it is the, uh, very low in the handicap and that seems to be the danger. But I don't think this is a very strong race. And I think class will see Cape and Blue. Uh, Flamingo is quite a small horse. I don't think um, uh, the sort of bustle and bustle, this kind of handicap will suit. I think watch for that one back at Plumpton or Fortwood or something like that. Uh, Cordelin, I, I do like, and it does quite like, um, the Grey Horse does quite like Asuka, but I think that probably needs a run. I, th I think this is actually quite a good favourite, and I'm not one for backing favourites, but I think Cape Land, um, and this is the, probably the time to catch the top weight, I, I think is good price, actually. I think it could be a little bit shorter. It's just the weight a little bit, 11, 12 is quite a hefty weight, but I still think the class will see Cape Land through. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. I mean, if you look at some of the races that Cape Land's ran in behind Deputy Soul, um, I mean, Diego de Charmel, I mean, that's, that's decent form. And for me, this this is a, a massive step down in class. It's actually quite similar to Fordon last week. So that, that step down in class to yeah. obviously what Fordon was up against, like Min, for example, at Cheltenham. Um, Cape Land, the current, currently 3 to 1. Paul Callahan and Peter Finch are quite keen on his chances. And Chris Loder likes Ebru at Best price available four to one, and moving on to the three hundred five Sudetsu handicap hurdle listed race. We'll start with Peter Finch. What do we like here? I think um, if you're watching this, it's best to have a cup of tea. I think. Um, I mean, if you put gave me a fiver free, Marcus, which is probably unlikely. Um, if you gave me a fiver, it would <laughs> yeah. be on the, it would be on Kid Commando. I just think Anthony Honeyball's horses at the moment are, are firing. And point he had a point of the season whereby. I just noticed actually, just looking at my prices, that it's gone from 16 to 130. I don't know what price uh, you've got there, but I think it has potential to to improve. There are some horses in this race that simply won't like soft ground, and there's quite a few of them Sebastopol, Scaramanga, um, Dear Sire, um, Chaos Marcius. They could, one or two of those could be pulled out on the basis of the ground. So that's probably the reason why it's shortened as we speak. Because I think there's a number of horses in here that just will prefer good ground. And for that reason, I think Kid Commando um, has got a good chance. So you're obviously going to get money for the Nicky Henderson horse. Um, but this is not quite, we're getting close to Nicky Henderson territory. But I don't think his horses are all firing just yet. But give it another two or three weeks when you get Newbury, uh, big meeting. And I can't remember what that is, but it comes up quite soon. That's the time to really start ploughing into Nicky Henderson horse. Probably is around seven to two at the moment for Peter Finch. Um, what does Paul Callahan like here? Yeah, I'm going to give that in a second. Just want to mention the last that listed the handicap chase we just touched on the 155. There's only eight runners in that race. Mentioned voice concerns about the Northern race, and just want to mention the last time I'll mention it. Um, this race, it's, it's a listed handicap hurdle. There's only ten runners going to post. Like I think the early, you know, back to the nineties. I think you know, sort of maybe doubling the fields. You know, but anyway, that's a different argument. Um, I like the look of um Sebastopol for uh Sebastopol for Tom Blasty, Johnny Burks on board. One point point at Lark Hill. Lark Hill it be would be one of the the more competitive point of points in in the UK. Sebastopol was a, a beaten favourite in the maiden hurdle at the showcase meeting back in two thousand and eighteen. However, that was behind Thomas Darby, and this is only his fifth run since then. Maybe he has had his issues. I don't know. But I do like the trainer Tom Lacey. He seems to be he seems to take the quite old fashioned approach. So 
maybe the horse was just slow to come to hand and connections and I've opted to give them time. So at Sebastopol for me. Sebastopol's currently six to one, best price available. And you've got your man, Dickie Johnson on that as well. Maybe double the stakes on that one, Paul. Yeah, but it's just interesting. Tom Lacey's a, as mentioned, you know, Lark Hill would be one of the more competitive point of points in England. Um, Richard Johnson teaming up with Tom Lacey, certainly a good sign, but he's a trainer that I really like and I think he adopts the more old-fashioned, you obviously need the, the connections, the owners and what have you, the patient owners, but I think he adopts the more old-fashioned type route where he just lets the horses come to, gives the horses a bit more time to come to hand. Interesting breeding with Fame and Glory. Um, six to one links a fair price. What does what does Chris Wooder like here? I've got, I've got a feeling Chris might like an outsider. Yeah, I thought it had the makeup of really of being an upset on the cards. Now, you look at the the horses that make up the bet, and these kind of handicaps, and it's always the unexposed types, the ones that look like they might have scope and improvement to come. That they're the ones that normally head the market, but none of them really caught the imagination to think there's one lurking in, lurking in here that's really well handicapped. Like I quite like Sebastopol, and and I think he's definitely going to be there or thereabouts. But the one I just thought I would take maybe a bit of a flyer on and the ground wouldn't want to get too tested for him, as Pete mentioned, and that's Dear Sire for Theo Gillard and Don McCain. Now, Don McCain's horses are running really well at the moment, actually. They're operating at 25% strike rate. And this lad, Theo Gillard, um, claiming a handy seven, he's been amongst the winners as well. And uh, he got a fine tune out of this horse last time he ran at Chepstow at the Persian War meeting, uh, beating friend or foe quite comfortably in the end. Friend um, friend or foe hasn't really done much for the form. He ran at Taunton yesterday and was beaten uh, back into fourth place. So, yeah, that, it's a bit of a negative there that the form has been let down. But I'd, I'd just like to go with a horse in this race. I think you know is going to run his race. Dear Sir hasn't been out of the first four on in, in quite a few of his recent starts, you know, he's been making the frame more often than not, you know. He has had maybe a little bit of a hard campaign now. He might be up against some fresher types, but yeah, it looks a horrible punting race for me. Um, But I just thought that's the kind of profile force you wanted here. I, I thought some of the, the, the less exposed types, they didn't really capture the imagination to me. Um, And I thought maybe a horse like Deer Sire, who's got the yard going in good form, the lad, Theo Gillard as well, he's riding well. Just thought they could maybe bring up a surprise on, on the card there at Ascot. I just want to uh, mention one other in that race very quickly, and that was hanging there. I remember when it won at Exeter and it won at Cheltenham, the soft ground was pretty good for that. Horses that have a hood and then take the hood away sometimes run well. So that promise, that horse promised quite a lot when last year because I remember back in Exeter, I left it alone at Cheltenham, but it was an improver and then it's gone backward. So I'd be quite interested to see how that runs, but it, but it is an absolute nightmare of a race. And um, whatever you want in that race, I think you need the best of luck. To be honest. Yeah, it seems like the bootmakers have picked up on that as well. Being hanging there is currently seven to one in places. I think short enough on what's been achieved. A dear sire, Chris Slaughter's each race selection available eleven to one. Um, and just rounding that, I know Peter Finch is quite keen on Kid Commander seven to two, and Paul Callahan likes Sebastian Paul at six to one. And moving on to the three forty ask, we're going to look at the Sedexo Gold Cup handicap chase. We'll start with Peter Finch. What are we on here? Got a minefield, but what do you like? Oh, another another minefield. I mean, I won't be having a a a, a bet on this race because again, there's quite a lot of question marks. More so, I mean, it's nice to see Mike bite. Um, 
running for, for Nicky Henderson. He hasn't sold that to one of the lesser trainers. He's kept Mike Bight in training, but that will need a miracle to win. You've got Black Lion as well. That used to be with uh, Nigel Twiston Davis running for Dan Skelton. Then, then Colours have also got um, another called Elliot one that won the other day. Actually, John Poli. Well. John Poli, yeah, that, and that sort of went backwards. Uh, this is a nightmare of a race. I mean, Camarchi Red has one on the soft, probably is the one to beat. Um, Vitor beat Redford Road last year. That seemed quite high in the handicap. It's, it is a horse um, for Nicky Henderson that, that could, could run quite well. I think this could be some outsiders in this race. Uh, I just felt that when it came over from France, they handicapped it too high. But then the last one for uh, Baltor to indicate maybe not. So that's the one dilemma on this race, for tour for me. But there is one that the foot of the handicap used to be with Willie Mullins. another one that used to be with Willie Mullins. I think if the ground comes up soft, which is likely to do, I think 10-4 with seven-pound claimer, uh, Jamie Neld. I don't think uh, Townsend how that's pronounced, um, is out of it. And I think uh, in each way odds, that could be 14, 16 to 1. That could uh, run quite well in what is a very, very difficult race. So Townsend for me each way. Yeah, it was an interesting run and ride <clears throat> last night. Townsend's, Townsend, 16 to 1 available um, for lightweight in this sort of ground, every chance. And um, moving on to, we'll have what's Chris Holder's view on this race. Um, yeah, I mean, I really want Comanche Red to win because Chris Gordon's my local trainer, you know, been fortunate to visit his yard a few times and I always feel, I always say it every time I get a chance to speak about him, that I always think he's one of the most underrated trainers around, everybody knows him for, for maybe being a bit bonkers, but he's got some really nice horses to go to war with at the moment and this is definitely one of them. Um, my only concern would be he might just need this and... I'm surprised actually that they're going to go down this route uh, with him th this early in the season. Um, but there's probably not many places they could have gone, and I'm not, I'm not overwhelmed by the fact he they're tackling three miles. I'm, I'm a, I, I just think he might get touched off in a race like this, and he and it might not be the best starting place for him. But you can see why he's up there. His form. Uh, on his win at Kempton on Boxing Day reads really well, beat simply the Vets, Cheltenham Festival winner, and on the slopes as well, his stable mate who really did rise through the ranks last year. But I just think um, the two that appealed to me were Blackcourt, and I'm going to row in with the, the Bronnie Frost and Paul Nichols fan club uh, that, that Paul's a member of. Um, I just think the, the the dirty each way could be quite good for, good for him. Um, he never seems to run a bad race. Finished um, third in this race last year. One six one is a workable mark, in my opinion. You know, I think he's going to be bang there or thereabouts. You know, and if you wanted a, a solid bet that's going to try try their heart out for you, he he'll do the job. But the other one, that I'm not sure what kind of price he is, but the one that I just just literally jumped off the page at me. And okay, it, things will probably need to go right for him, but that's a horse of uh, Andrew Martins and Shane Quinlan called Militarian. Now, God knows what price he'll be, but he actually won for, uh, first time out uh, um, in November over the course and distance last year when he was 50 to 1. Um, and he's now back down to a mark where he's only one pound higher. He won off 138 that day. 
He's back down to a mark of 139. They bu bu booked uh, Shane Quinlan claiming five. So obviously that's going to help the burden as well. And that was on re really soft ground that day. Beat the likes of Topwood, Cloth uh, Cap, who are, who are no mugs, you know. Obviously he is going to have to probably step up again. But if it's one of those days where nothing's coming from the back and you're out there jumping from the front and that's the best place to be, he, he could have a chance of making the frame and he could be just a bit of a fun bet, small stakes. But yeah, not not a race to get totally excited about, but they would be the way I would play. Something that you know is going to run its race most more often than not. And that's why I just think, for me, if I had to force anyone to have a bet, Black Cotton would be my final selection. It's currently a 7-1 to one chance, best price available. Uh, Militarian, you'd expect to get bigger on the days. Currently trading around 33 to 1. He's definitely going to be bigger on the bet for exchange. Maybe one to play in the five, five places, six place market on, on the exchange. And Paul Callahan, what's your thoughts? I like the look of what more for my former boss, Henry Daly, whose horses do generally come on for the, the run. However, he did have a, a nice winner last Saturday at Cheltenham with on in the shape of, of Honest Vic. Richard Johnson on board. What more carries running off a mark of 138, carries just 10 stones three, and with no sawn is available at the race courses. I know Richard Johnson can can get down to 10 stone at a, at a you know, does require a little bit of effort. But 10 three with no saunas on course at the moment in use, that's going to require a, a little bit of effort. So I think that's a definitely an eye catching jockey book. And I know he does ride for Henry, but Henry's opted to, to stick with a stable jockey here. So that's interesting. What more was last team finishing fourth at the festival behind Imperial Aura, who had, had Galvin back in second. Now, he, he was a little over nine lengths behind that pair, but if fit enough, that run should see him in the mix here, I think. Uh, moving over to Ireland, we're going to go to Down Royal. We're going to look at the 225 Labrooks champion Chase. And first time all day, we've got a full house. We'll start with Chris Loder. What do you like and what's the reason behind it? Yeah, I mean... I just thought that Delta Work, even though he should be favourite for this race, might just be a bit vulnerable first time out. I remember last season um, he was well fancied for this, um, but came up short, you know. So, yeah, I, I, think he, I think he might just need his first run of the season. Um, from the Gordon Elliott stable, I, I did quite like the storyteller, but... The one that I have just come down on uh, is Chris's dream for Henry de Bromhead. Now, I, I can't read a stable at all at, at the moment. Every time I think they're going to win, they don't. And when I think they're not going to win, they do win. But that's not normally the way it goes, isn't it? Um, but Chris's dream, um, obviously named after myself, um, I just thought he, he could be the one ready for the day, you know. Um, did really well last year, first time out um, to win the Troy Town. So we know he can go well fresh and he loves uh, deep ground. He then went on to win the Red Mills Chase at Gorham Park, beating Shattered Love. So he did really um, show some good form last year. And then he went to the Gold Cup where I think you can forgive him that performance, um, you know. And I think he's actually better going um right-handed i know he did win the troy town at Navan, but a lot of his earlier form um from his career i remember when he was winning at places like um like uh limerick and places like that and clonmel um they're this way around so i think that's going to help him 
Um, and it's interesting as well that Robbie Power is coming all the way back from um, England to ride this horse. He's allowed to ride in Grade Ones over in Ireland, so <coughs> so that so that that's no problem at all. And I think it's quite interesting, really, and hopefully it, it bring him a smile. He hasn't had the best of times already uh, since he's been over here. I know that they lost Harry Senior today, which was really sad. The Tizard team. So uh, yeah, he could do with um, he could do with a good day, and I'm I'm hoping Chris's dream can uh, give him it. And the best place available four to one because he's dream. Paul Callahan, what's your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I'd be, I think that's a work. I'll take that to work on here. I think presenting Percy, it could take Gordon a couple of runs just to see where he's at. You know, generally when a horse comes into the yard, it does. You can only get them so straight and right. You know, you'll have asked previous connections. David Russell knows the horse inside out. But I think it will take, uh, you know, just a run or two to know where they're at with presenting Percy. I'm a huge Chris's Dream fan. I was actually down at the last fence the day he won the Tritown last year. I put a line through the Gold Cup run. Um, he's a horse that his best form is when fresh, certainly with, with breaks between races. Um, I think Chris's Dream, he's won first time out on his last two two seasons. So, and as mentioned, as Chris mentioned, Robbie Power, he's allowed to ride with the current restrictions. He is allowed to ride in Ireland on, on grade one days. So, I'm a big Chris's Dream fan, and I think he takes the beat here. Yeah, um, it's interesting that both of you aren't too keen on Delta Works. Sh- shorts five to four in places. Could that be your lay of the weekend, Paul? No, I think Sarnay would be. Sarnay, yeah. yeah. The lay of okay. the weekend. Lay double. <laughs> lay double. He's just a bit short, and I think Chris's Dream is a horse on the up, and first time out is is or definitely with a break between you know he's the time to catch him is when he's running fresh gorgeous gorgeous beautiful looking horse as well um i think rachel blackmore might have partnered a couple of winners for the owners rob core i know robbie's moved to england and there was no grade one action so it couldn't come across um in the last number of weeks so it is interesting that robbie has i'm sure he could have had a, a busy afternoon in england that he has opted to i think this was the plan from, I'd imagine it was. I know it's been the plan for the last couple of weeks, but I'd imagine that plan has been has been manufactured some time ago. Bullish from Paul Callahan. Moving on, Peter Finch. Yeah, I can't. I can't. Are you bullish as well, Pete, or are well, we all, all aboard. Out of all the races that we've we've picked, this is the one race. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. That we'll, we'll, agree. <laughs> um, we'll all find out. Come um, oh. uh, half past two on Saturday afternoon. I, I, for very much the same reasons, to be honest. Um, presenting Percy is interesting, obviously, now with Gordon Elliott. Um, uh, but obviously, I think might might need the run. I mean, not, again, they'll be gearing towards Chelsea. Not getting any younger at the age of nine. Delta work uh, finished fourth first time out last year. will probably need the run. I am a little bit interested in, in Noel Mead's, how you pronounce it, Tuher Pomis, who, who finished behind the Storyteller last time. Uh, that had had four runs. That was his first run of the season. Because uh, Noel Mead obviously has got a good record in the in the race. Obviously, winning it the last two years and winning it before. But for the same reasons, I think Chris's dream is an outstanding bet for the for the for the weekend. And the fact that Bobby Power goes to Ireland when he could have ridden a host of runners for Tizard is it a pointer in itself? And and this is the time of year. Whereas the early part of the season is an old Mead. This is the time of year for Henry de Bonhead, and I think. Um, He's a trainer to definitely watch during the course of November and obviously towards the big meeting uh, uh, at the end of in, 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 
December. So for, for, for the same reasons that the other guys have alluded to, Chris's dream is, is the one for me. So Chris's dream, four to one, Bally Optics, seven to one, Cape Lens, three to one, and we've got Towns at a 61. That's the lucky 15 for Saturday, all marked up, Pete. Yeah, it's all done. Bit of value. Yeah. <laughs> See how long that lasts on Bet365 the night before. Um, I, I do think uh, Delta Work is is vulnerable, and I think five to four is a bit of a clown price. Um, I think it's interesting the the, the no meat angle because um, you you'd think Sean Flanagan would would have first choice, and he's actually went for the bottom one instead of going for Snow Falcon. Yeah, um, and he's ridden Snow Falcon before too. So yeah. Johnny's won at Kerry National on on Snow Falcon when Sean was injured. I think last yeah. two last season was it. Um, and two at Premier, Sean's won a try turn on him in the past, so maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that could be a reason. Both of them could have live chances as well, like 20 to 1 and 14 to 1, especially the form of the trainers in right now. Um, it just makes you think you've got to hit Delta Work, that pink button, even more. I'm all over 4 to 5 oh. the field here. All aboard. Anyway, moving on to the last race, we're going to have a look at Sunday's card at Carlisle. Um, as of recording right now on Thursday afternoon, there's no prices available for the 240 Carlisle Colin Parker Memorial Intermediate Chase. Chris Loder was keen. I think he had a, a selection here at a price. So we're just going to, well, he thinks it's going to be a price that's potentially going to be a price, but he's going to mark the card for us with the rest of the guys. We'll start with Chris Loder. Yeah. Listeners know. Yeah, this is a way to class race. I just, I just wanted to feature it in the podcast. It's it's normally always a really good race at Carlisle, this intermediate listed chase. One last year by no other than Austin Translation, you know, so it can it can produce a good horse. And there's some interesting candidates in here if they do turn up. There's quite a few jockeys booked up, so you would think that this is the plan. You've got, like, Brewing Up a Storm in here. Uh, Windsor Avenue was a nice horse last season. Master Tommy Tucker, he's a bit of a cliff horse for a lot of people uh imperial or as well david bash jocked up it's breed large um it looks like a really nice race but the one that i really would like him to turn up here um i'm not sure if this is the plan but uh i, I think he would be uh he, he could take the beating and that's sam brown for anthony honeybull now where he's spoken about anthony honeybull um earlier in the podcast uh, with Kid Commando, what Pete touched on, Anthony Honeybull's team are starting just to get into a bit of, um, they're just gathering a bit of momentum now, operating at 33% strike rate. And this Sam Brown last season, I don't know if you remember, he ran at Lingfield, I think it was on a boring Monday, and he absolutely bolted up by 22 lengths. Um, and then he went on to win again in a grade two. I remember me and Mark that day were at Ascot when he won at Haydock and you were saying, oh, he's beat really early on. It's just because he got really badly outpaced. But then when uh, when he uh, was asked for his effort, Aidan Coleman managed to uh, draw away and they won by 15 lengths. Um, just think this horse, he's got so much untapped potential and we're really uh, yet to see the best of him. Um, forgive the run at Ascot. Like I said, the horses that were running that day, they really did suffer afterwards when if they did turn to return to the race course again. And Sam Brownie was a promising novice hurdler. Um, I, I just think he he's got a lot of class, and uh, I think I think he might take all the beating first time out uh, if Anthony Honeyball can get him spot on, which I think he can on Sunday. At the time of recording, there's there's twelve entries. I think it's going to cut up quite a lot because you've got runners in here that are likely to to run on Saturday, horses like A-Wright and uh, Old Stone and, and horses like that. So it could be five or six runners 
it's undoubtedly Ollie Murphy is targeted Bruna for Bruna stalled for, for this particular race. And that's the one runner that's sure to run. So I don't know when they will be priced up, but um, I, I suspect Sam Brown and Bruin up a storm will, will give us a, a, a great race along with a couple of the others. But I think I would probably go with Bruin up a storm based on the fact that he's getting six pounds from South, uh, Sam Brown as they go from. And Paul Callahan, what's your thoughts on this one? I'm just going to mention who rides Sam Brown. There's no one jocked up at the minute, but Aidan Coleman has been on him in his last few runs. He's going to be on the Ollie Murphy train runner. Yeah. That'd be yeah. interesting. I know Rex Dingle is based at the yard. He's a cracking young rider. Um, I wonder if he gets the, the call up for this one. Um, I know Sam Brown is he's a horse that they think is a proper horse, but it's only his eighth start. I think he's very pretty fragile, to, to say the least. Um, I looking at it at the minute. I think Black Off. I could see him running a, a big race. It's his first start since since Kempton back on Boxing Day or since Stevens Day, and then on which side of the the Irish Sea or side, and so he might just need it. But I could see him running well. And um, the horse that I do like, who is jocked up, is Imperial Aura, who got the better of Galvin at the festival when last seen. Kim Bailey's horses are absolutely flying. He's got a crack and a real willing attitude. So. I think Imperial or I think he'll take a, a bit of beating around here if he, he lines up on Sunday. Interesting. Um, and I totally agree with that, that form um, of the Kim Bailey yards. Definitely want to take note of. And that run behind Galvin looks solid. Simply the bets. Pim, I mean, solid challenge form. Distance and ground should be fine. Um, so just to wrap things up, Chris Loder likes Sam Brown. Peter Finch likes brewing up a storm. Callahan likes Imperial Aura to wrap up this weekend's betting. And lastly, guys, what I'll do is I'll get the naps, your best bets. I'll start with Lucky Loader's best bet of the weekend. Uh, Roxana. Roxana, four to one. I'll give you tens. Deal? Yeah, okay. Okay. Paul Callahan. I'd be greedy and pick two. <laughs> yeah, go for it. We'll go for a cheeky double. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but... Well, I'm I like. I think Chris's dream at Down Royal, and the more I think of it, the more we talked about it. I think Capeland at Ascot on Saturday. Chris's dream four to one, and Capeland best price available is around seven to two now. Um, a cheeky double there from Paul Callahan, and last but not least, I'm gonna go for a no. I'm gonna go for a naughty treble. Oh God, here we go. <laughs> uh, Chris's, Chris's dream, Capeland, and Ballyoptic. Five a treble. Last time we done one of these podcasts, we got four up at Goodwood, so you never know. Um, so yeah, Capeland, Chris's Dream, and Bally Optic. And if you ask me for the best of the three, um, probably Bally Optic because I just think it, it, it's been targeted for the race. I think at the prices, we've definitely brought out some value today. Um, Bally Optic seven to one. I do remember that that Goodwood podcast we did. We got the four out of four. I think it paid about about three hundred to one. The fourfold yeah. was something absolutely crazy. Um, and obviously, I know some people actually bet it as well, so they were they were pretty chuffed. But listen, guys, it's been great. Um, hopefully, we can get get some winners this weekend from Weatherby, Ascot, Down Royal, and Carlisle. Um, appreciate you giving me your time. Just make sure that you follow the podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes, and follow Lucky Loaders on Twitter, Paul Callahan on Twitter, and Peter Finch. And it's been great, guys. All the best. <laughs>